Welcome back. My name is Chris. Yeah, I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. That's it. <laughs> That's it, baby. The only podcast we're pretty sure. That brings you the best, the brightest, the strangest, the sexiest TV shows and film properties available to stream right from your home in an ocean of streaming content vying for your attention and networks. We are your lighthouse, your beacons of broadcast, your curators of content. Indeed. That was our old uh, sign on. Beautiful. What's old is new again. The twixt seasons of Stranger Things. We're here today to talk about some uh, crossing streams, some things we've been streaming other than Stranger Things. You might want to check out. You might not. I don't know. You at least like to hear about them. We're pretty sure. Right. Yeah. You're always looking to see, you know, you know, you, you pull up your streaming networks and you spend an hour or two just going through. And what, you're thinking there's so many vying for my attention. There's so many. If only I had a beacon of these broadcasts <laughs> or a curator of this content. Yeah. What? If only you have found the chocolate pudding. You have found the chocolate pudding, my friend. What friends. is chocolate pudding? Uh, not something good. <laughs> that sounds incredible, and not, I want some. You want some chocolate pudding? The only yes. thing worse than that is figgy pudding, which is terrible. <laughs> oh man! What? You can email the show at any time by typing into your whatever you're using. Streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Uh, Steve, you're looking at me funny. I don't know. They could be Yahoo folks. They could be Gmail folks. They could be Outlook folks. They could be uh, Ask and G. Well, just saying whatever you're using is funny because that that opens up a whole Pandora's box of what if they're just using it. They're holding a banana right now. Like, oh, I'm streaming. I'm trying to email. I'm just peeling it. That could be why we don't get more emails. You're right. Mm-hmm. But we do get tons of goodens. It's a messaging problem. More of those peel mails. You can also subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things. That's patreon.com slash streaming things and become a member of our little club at a variety of tiers for different rewards. We would love you to do that, but it's not always possible. We understand that you do get extra content, but uh, we understand it's hard times out there. So you can sure. always just rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to this. You're tons li- of you have been doing that. We're so grateful. Your listenership is enough for us. Indeed. Indeed. We're so very grateful to all of you. This has been such a fun experience. We love doing it. We've done this, in fact, for years, uh, most of the time to a few hundred people uh, during Stranger Things, a few thousand people and had no right to expect the craziness that has been the last month or so with all the listeners that we've gotten. And we are ecstatic about it. We are ecstatic about it. In fact, we have uh, been bequeathed some gifts that we can then pass on to you from an app called Movies Anywhere. I don't know if you've ever heard of this app. Movies Anywhere is awesome. You can... uh, Pull all of your digital libraries from different places like Amazon, uh, iTunes, Voodoo, all those places. It's kind of difficult because you own different digital movies in different places. You don't even know what you have anymore. And that's what was happening to me. I've double bought a bunch of movies. Oh, tons of them. And now that I have them all on movies anywhere, it's funny because I can, I'm like, I didn't know I owned that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so you can put them all in one app and it actually allows you to buy movies on that app. You can stream the movies in that app. It does all kinds of cool things. Uh, You can actually have streaming parties like screen pass is what they call it. So if there's a movie that you own and you want to watch it with a friend, but it's digital and you're not in the same house, you can give them a screen pass and let them watch the movie that you own digitally together. So that's pretty neat. That is pretty cool. Um, I like that. Maybe someday we'll do that with you. We could do something like that uh, in the future on a a different Patreon tier, maybe just watch movies together, stuff like that. But uh, Movies Anywhere is really, really cool. And so what they've done is they've given us digital copies of four movies that are Stranger Things tangential, right? So uh, It from 2017 that has Finn Wolfhard in it. it. We've got Alien from 1979, a huge influence on the show. We've got the new Firestarter film from 2022 and we've also got 
The Thing from 1982, also a huge influence on the show. 4K copies of all four of those films will be given to three random patrons of this show. Uh, We'll be announcing the winners of that after our Stranger Things 4 Volume 2 coverage. So just wanted to shout out there something a little nice that we can do for you thanks to Movies Anywhere. So that's awesome. Uh, Anything else we need to talk about business-wise? No, I think you covered it all. Good job, my friends. As you all know, they're listening to this on Hump Day, correct? Correct. So we're only a couple of days away from Volume 2 of Stranger Things 4. Holy shit, get hyped. It's just, uh, well, actually, it's just one more sleep for me. Yeah, one sleep. One more sleep for us. Yeah, because we're not sleeping that night. No, we're not sleeping Thursday into Friday. Woo, boy. We get sleepy, though. Afterward. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Was that a uh, Mr. Poopy butthole? That was. <laughs> I'm going to stay up all night and watch stranger things. <laughs> so that's going to be really, really exciting at that time. And uh, we're so hyped for it. So hyped to join you guys again. And that's just a, uh, one sleep away. If you're going to stay up all night. Hell yeah, baby. Cause it's 3 AM in Eastern standard time where we are. Mm-hmm. Not an easy task. Not an easy task at all. But what are we doing today, Chris? Today. We're talking about all those other things we've been streaming. Uh, and so let's uh, start it off. Andy, you always start us off. What have you been oh, streaming? Am I going first? We're going to start doing it. I mean, I'm gonna, I thought I'd switch it up and have you go first. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I got a big one that I've been streaming. It's currently the number one trending thing on Netflix. Have you guys heard about Spiderhead? I have heard about it. It's the newest film with Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. And if the director is the same guy who directed Top Gun Maverick, I forget his name. You absolutely crushed it, my dude. But That's I, exactly what it is. I didn't watch it. Though. I also don't know what the director's name. And I apologize for that, that you uh, cued me up for something that I just was it's not It's almost ready. like Krasinski, but it's not. It's you set like up that. the pins and I did not have a ball. <laughs> Nobody knocked him down. Um, it's okay. Gutter ball. It's cool. It it's happens cool. a lot when I bowl. So anyway, fun fact. Uh, Spiderhead is based on a short story by George Saunders called Escape from Spiderhead. Uh, so that George, I did not know. George Saunders is a uh, master of the short story art form. Uh, he's been published in uh, like T.C. Boyle. Yes, exactly. Uh, he, he's been published in like New York Times, I think, a dozen times or more. The New York he dozen has, times is what he calls it. He has uh, quite a few uh, collections of short stories. He's only written one novel. That one novel won the Man Booker Award. Uh, it came out in 20, 2017. It was called um, Lincoln and the Bardo. It was this really cool, uh, surreal, supernatural story about ghosts uh, surviving uh, after they're dead and hanging out in the graveyard kind of like the graveyard tale from uh, neil gaiman but george saunders has this very uh unique specific style of writing that's genius and uh often sexual and very very uh life affirming it's wonderful the way that he writes so that's anyway. what people describe me as genius and often sexual mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> every time i bring as well i mean so many <laughs> itunes reviews for steve specifically that just say that genius so, often sexual <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when Spiderhead got announced, I didn't give a fuck. I was just like, all right, it's the two was two of the hottest people in Hollywood right now. And they're doing a thing on Netflix. I don't give a shit. And now it's like, oh, it's a George Saunders story. Let's go. So it is a really cool kind of surreal sci- sci-fi story about prisoners who give up their life rights and agree to take part in uh, scientific trials of new drugs, new pharmaceutical drugs in exchange for shorter sentences. And uh, Miles Teller plays a prisoner 
of this establishment wherein he is treated to uh, some extraordinary tests with with new drugs uh, with the people around him and how he reacts to the drugs, how he reacts around, uh, how he how they react to each other. And ultimately, uh, Chris Hemsworth, who plays the lead kind of big, bad kind of good guy. A uh, scientist, he is experimenting, trying to develop a drug that can overcome the concept of love. And uh, it, it is really, 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 really good until he gets to the third act. And then it falls apart so fucking bad. Oh, no. Worse than I've seen in a movie in a really long time. And suddenly starts to try to be fun and exciting and starts playing this wonky music. And it's like, hey, now we're going to throw Hall's notes in here all of a sudden. And we're going to have a fun, weird, action-packed third act that just completely falls apart. And I, I've read the short story, uh, Escape from Spiderhead, and it is not even remotely close. And all of the best parts. Of Was the short story good? It's fantastic. Very bleak, but beautiful. Everything that is good in this movie comes directly from the short story. There is a sequence where Miles Teller is under the influence of one of the pharmaceutical drugs uh, that is being tested, watching another prisoner being tested on another drug. He's being tested on something that essentially uh, makes you loquacious. It makes you loquacious. It makes you say more descriptive on what's going on around you. And it's beautiful. He's watching somebody that's going through absolute hell. It's called called uh, Darken Flocks, the uh, drug that this other prisoner is on. And uh, like the, the words that he uses to describe and the way that they wrote it and edited it was absolutely brilliant. And this came directly from the short story and it's beautiful. It just falls apart so fucking bad when it gets to the end that I, I don't know that I recommend it, but I do recommend the story. Uh, George Saunders is a great writer and I think that uh, more things need to be adapted from what he's established. But it, it's so cool that they took something that seemingly unadaptable the writing and they made something and it's pretty fucking cool and they got chris hemsworth and miles teller and that's incredible during the summer of the goose yeah Mm -hmm. right and uh i thought it was the summer of morbius it's morbid time baby (laughs) (laughs) have you guys seen the petitions online where they want morbius to come back into theaters for a third time yes and the description is sorry we were busy that weekend we really want you to bring it back yeah uh so yeah (laughs) that that would be awesome but uh no uh honestly you should check out spiderhead just if nothing else to support the adaptation of wonderful source material because George Saunders is a great author. Awesome. Yeah. I have heard that it's a pretty shitty movie, but a similar criticism that really it, it just falls apart. It just, yeah, it's a great movie that falls apart. Uh, the director is Joseph Kaczynski. I knew it. Oh, I said it, it sounded is. like Krasinski. Yeah. yeah. Steve, what, what, what have you been streaming? Well, uh, as the page, the people know, we did a, a episode for the patrons on The Thing, 1982's The Thing. We did. And uh, I decided to watch 2011's The Thing. You did it. I did it. I did it, my friend. Because uh, in With it, the Swedes. With the Swedes. It's a prequel to the original 1982 film by uh, John Carpenter. And, you know, this movie, I, I'd never seen it before. And a lot of people kind of give it shit they're like oh it's a terrible movie you know i can't believe they did it and part of me was curious like you know is it really that bad of a movie or is it simply a a 
one of those things where people are comparing it to the original The Thing, and it's it, which is just such a seminal work of movie making, right? That's such a lauded piece of cinema. So people are comparing this modern take and like, oh, it's nowhere near as bad as that. It's trash, bro. And, and I wondered, like, oh, okay, well, let me watch this movie and see for myself. Like, is it really that bad? Or is it just a movie that's just unfortunately compared to a better version of itself, right? And I'm here to say, unequivocally, that it is, in fact, trash. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it is, it's it's not a good movie, uh, which is kind of baffling. Um, it has some pretty interesting uh, casting. I uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in this. Joe Edgerton's in it. Um... Uh, and then there's a couple. Oh, um, I, I can never pronounce his name, but Tormund Giantsbane from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Mjolnir, uh, I think. Christopher Hivju, Hivju. Yeah, um, nailed it. He uh, he's in it, and it. So like when the movie starts, it's kind of promising, right? You're like, oh, okay, this is about the 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 Norwegian team that originally unearthed the thing, and there's so much mystery surrounding what happened to that group uh, from the original movie. So I was really excited to see, like, oh, what 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 did go down? And it's just not interesting, you know? Well, it's the whole premise is uninteresting because it's like you know what happens, and not in a rogue yeah. one way, but it's more like a they all die, like. But it's also silly in the way that uh, so the original thing there's what uh, nine guys there's ten yeah around around ten people honestly on a base. too many it's in the hard, first thing yeah it's hard to keep oh, track oh well Andy I'm here to tell you there's probably twenty five people Nor- twenty five Norwegians all right so if you Jesus. were like man there's too many people in the thing oh don't worry the prequel <laughs> has you covered this is Sven they, they thought what well, we Sven too. What you wanted was more deaths, was what they were thinking, right? Yeah, because if there's ever a scene in this movie where someone dies, three people die. Yeah. It can't just be like, oh, they got... You know. So they t- totally misinterpreted everything that was cool about the 1982 version. Yeah, and one of the great things about the 1982 version is there is this constant, like, who is the thing? It could be in any one of us. And then you can kind of see there's this natural progression, like, oh, that person's the thing now. Oh, now that person's the thing now there's something natural about how that story kind of plays out right with this movie they unearth the thing uh it's in the ice tomb it just breaks out of nowhere and the guy's like the thing got loose and they're like oh no it immediately kills like three of them and then now it's just like i don't know it's it's weird like anyone could be the thing but the the way time passes it's not believable like well how is half this team the thing all of a sudden i don't understand when these people got separated from each other and got infected right right. three got infected right away couldn't it have spread and like no it just straight up kills them it doesn't try to it tries to assimilate one of them and then it kills like other people like because it this thing has this it has like 10 the tentacles you know that it shoots out in the original movie now it's using those as like whips that like stab people and kill them instantly kill anybody in the first movie uh, 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 windows, uh, Fuchs. Fuchs and windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, technically, it absor- it uh, spread it to windows because he started to become to turn, but it straight up murders Fuchs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it straight up murders a bunch of people in this one, and it's just confusing. It's even more confusing than the original thing of like, okay, wait, how did that person get infected all of a sudden? I don't get it. They also have characters like um, Doctor uh, Sander. He's kind of painted as the human antagonist. He's the scientist who's like, no, this is our find. Don't try to get help. We have to keep it here because it's our find. And, and like his his arc, he's not a good villain, quote unquote, and. Uh, there's this really they add this really strange element to the story where it's like oh the thing it can assimilate anything right except if you have like anything artificial in your body so if you have um, caps on your molars or if you are wearing jewelry it can't art it can't 
recreate that. So that becomes a big thing where instead of testing the blood, it's like, open your mouth. Let me see your molars. All right, this guy's good. He doesn't brush. You, open your mouth. Oh, he, he, he doesn't have caps in his teeth. This guy's clearly a potential thing. Put him aside. One, one guy even has a line like, oh, so I'm going to die because I floss? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's one cool kill in it, uh, and that is, I forget the actor's name, uh, Eric, I'm pulling up, Eric Christian Olsen. He's just, he's, he's one of those guys that shows up in movies like, oh, that's the fuck boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those actors. People say when I walk into a room. Yeah. Oh, there's a fuck boy. Uh, Without uh, fail. Overall, it's just, it's not great. There's hardly any tension to this film at all. Whereas the first thing has a lot of tension and is super nihilistic. And the real unfortunate thing is like, uh, when the movie ends and the credits start, that is arguably when the thing we're most interesting or interested in happens. When the credit starts, that's when it's like, oh, the one guy that conveniently can't speak English is the only one left. And he's like, fellow dude that hasn't been in the movie at all, who flew in a helicopter and, hey, fly me in. We got to kill this dog that we haven't seen the whole movie. It's just suddenly a dog now. And then also, in oh, the, that sucks. And so, There's like, no as, dogs up to that point, pretty much. I mean, I think they show a dog once up to that point, but they never. It's never a thing. Like, oh, this dog's going to be important. It's just like, oh, the dog. Remember that from the movie? Yeah, the dog's happening now. Yeah. And uh, and that's intercut with the credits. So like, it'll be like ten seconds of that story, and then directed by so and so. Ten seconds of the story, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, it, it's just not great. And the, and the special effects are really poor because uh, it's all digital, which is sad because the special effects group um, that got hired for this movie were very adamant about it being practical like the original was. But apparently the studio was like, no, audiences, modern day audiences don't like that shit. Digital. Make it all digital now. Yeah. And it Sore looks mistakes. really bad. So it's the Hobbit trilogy to the Lord of the Rings of the thing. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. First Hobbit was good. And it's funny because it's the Norwegian team, right? And right off the bat, they're like, the Norwegians are talking. And then Mary Elizabeth Winstead comes up and they're like, oh, are you American? Guys, let's be polite and speak American the rest of the movie so that uh, yeah. so as not to confuse her and Joel Edgerton, uh, <laughs> even though there are 25 of us and only two of you. But hey, we're Norwegian. We're, we're nothing but America's polite. America's the center, my friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's whatever. So not a great movie, a little disappointing, but uh, that, yeah, Chris, what about you? What's the thing you watched? Well, the thing I watched, uh, so I've been playing this game uh, for my, my TikTok channel. It's really, really fun. So I found out I've watched uh, at the time 71 of the IMDb top 100. And I just, I found that out just trying to, I made oh, a couple interesting. a couple videos about what I hadn't seen. Cause I thought like, Hey, this will be really like positive, a message to put across that, I'm a guy who loves film. I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with movies, uh, but there's a ton of huge classic like linchpin movies that I haven't seen. And I'll just be honest about it because that, that might be help, helpful to others, right? Like, hey, there's 750,000 movies or something like that in existence. We're not going to get them all. Um, but then I thought of a cool game I could play because there's a filter on TikTok where it puts the IMDb top 100 on your forehead. And when you tap the screen, it cycles through all of them and stops randomly on one. Oh, that's fun. And so I keep going until I find one I haven't seen and I watch whatever that is. And it's been a really interesting way to. How to, many times do you have to tap if you've seen 70 of them so far? Uh, sometimes three or four is okay. the most I've had to do, I think. Um, and then I have to edit it because it takes a long time for it to stop on one. I'll show you sometime what it looks like. It's fun. But what's been really cool about it is like 
when you're when you think to yourself, oh, I've never seen any uh, Kurosawa films, or I've never seen any uh, Charlie Chaplin films, I've never seen this, I've never seen that, and eventually it's like you're so overwhelmed, you're like, ah, I'm just gonna watch Biodome, you know, because that's funny, you know. <laughs> Famously <laughs> in the top 100. Bunch. Yeah, so it just you know what I mean though. It just gets overwhelming, and sure, you kind of yeah. don't know where to start. Whereas with this, it forces me. It's like you're watching this, you know what I mean, and uh, it's kind of relieving. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I think I'm talking out my, out my ass a little bit, but it's almost like I have so many streaming services. I can watch almost anything at the touch of my fingertips that there's too many options. And so I'll yeah. spend hours looking through all the movie oh, options dude, and then go to bed. Everybody experiences that. That's Absolutely. the point of crossing streams. Right, yeah, baby. That's the point of this show to give so, the listener a little bit of a insight. I talked before about uh, Shudder, that the fact that they just have a Shudder channel, like something is playing. If you turn on Shudder, there's a movie. Yeah, so relieving. You like, it. you don't have to put any brain power into yeah, this, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Netflix has the same thing, but it's like, watch something random, and you could get, like, season episode two of season three of a show you've never watched. And it's like, eh, yeah. I don't know if I'm, this is what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> yeah, Netflix yeah, Netflix's has. thing that does that is weird, yeah. Um, but this has been fun, because I know that they're all, like, lauded cinema, uh, at least for this so far. So two of the movies that I'm going to talk about today are from doing that. The first one I want to talk about is called Life is beautiful. Have either of you seen this movie? I love this I movie. I knew it. If you hadn't seen it, I was going to be like, Steve, this is going to be one of your favorite movies yeah. of all time. It's. I've talked about it on the show in the past before. Have you really? Yeah. No, you haven't. I probably zoned out. 100% have. So have. It's, it's written and directed by, uh, or no, directed and starring Roberto Benigni, mm -hmm. he, who's an Italian. This is an Italian movie. And oh my God, I love this movie. You have to watch the video I made sometime because it's really funny. It's like the third one that I did. And I do all these sparky like, all right, guys, here's the game. Da, 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 da. And I do the like clicky shuffly thing. All right, I'm off to watch it. And then at some point I come back and I'm wearing a completely different shirt because it had been a couple days and I'm just like floored. And I don't even know what to say. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, because this movie is to, to try to describe it to Andy. It's, it takes place, uh, right before World War II. Okay. Uh, in Italy. So like Mussolini's coming to power, that kind of stuff. But the, the first half of the movie, is so whimsical and so goofy. I haven't seen much Chaplin except in clips, but it's, there's a lot of physical comedy. It's very Chaplin esque and, and I'm like having a hard time keeping up. I love subtitles, but I've, I've never watched an Italian movie that I can think of. And they talk so fast that I'm just kind of overstimulated and overwhelmed, but giggling because it's really clever humor. Like the movie opens with the two main character. Well, the main character is Roberto Benigni's character uh, and his friend driving in an old, you know, yeah. 1930s car <laughs> and the brakes go out and they're like barreling down this tiny road. And uh, he gets that's the opening. Yeah. Oh, and he gets to like a, uh, a a fascist parade of people that he doesn't know that's what that is. Uh, and they're all standing in the middle of the road. So he's standing above the car going, get out, get of, out, the of, the way, get out of the get way, get out of the way. And it looks like he's gesticulating the Nazi, whatever, whatever you call that. Yeah. Uh, the Heil. The Sikh Heil, yeah. <laughs> is this the movie where, with Chaplin's uh, monologue? No, you're thinking of the dictator. Oh, okay. In, no, this isn't a Chaplin. There is film. no Chaplin movie. Uh, this isn't a Chaplin movie. It just it's like that. It's gotcha. a physical comedy thing, uh, and so everybody thinks that he's doing that, and they're like, "Hey!" And then so it's yeah, goofy like that. It's like a big Mussolini joke. Yeah. So there's so many Mel like style. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. Very Mel Brooksy. Uh, and I'm laughing my ass off, and I'm having a good time. Uh, and he, he's really in love with this woman. Uh, I don't want to spoil the movie, but things progress very very quickly, and in, at a midway point, at the climax of this movie, it 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 there's a time jump of about five or six years 
uh, and then things get very dark. And, Hello, Stranger Things. Because uh, he's Jewish, right? Um, so yeah, it's he's just, Jewish. It's, it starts off a little bit before World War II. You can guess and, where things go. Yeah. Uh, but it's still <laughs> so beautiful and lighthearted. Um, and most people have seen this movie, I guess. So I'm probably tiptoeing for no reason because I was I one of the last. Uh, but he has a son at this point now. They all go to the camps. Uh, and the whole movie, I'll just say it because it's part of what was made it so awesome, is he he's trying to hide the fact of what's going on from his son. So he's like, hey, we're going to go play a game, you know, the whole time. We're going on this great vacation. It's for your birthday. And we get to ride on the train. Isn't the train awesome? It's cool because there's no seats. There's nowhere to sit. It's, we're all crammed in. It's super awesome. We we rarely ever get to do this. Uh, and, you know, and everything that happens to them is like that. Um, and I was just bawling my eyes out the That's whole terrible. time. Because you can see how hard it is on him. But he's this yeah, he's, he's totally just, taking it all on himself, and he's doing everything he can to make sh- to shield his his son from the horror of being in a concentration camp. And what year was this? Mean this, this was nineteen ninety seven, and uh, yeah. it won Best Picture that year, I believe. I think so. Yeah, um, and I think he got Best Actor or Best Director as well. He won two Oscars for it, um, and it, it's just so so beautiful. I read a book in college uh, by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning, and it's an existentialist book. And the whole purpose of the book, he actually went through. Auschwitz uh, and survived it and said that essentially to oversimplify a beautiful uh, book of psychology that he was able to find happiness and purpose in the concentration camp. Um, and that's, you know, that's the whole tenet of the philosophy of existentialism is that life inherently has no meaning. You have to put meaning in it. And that is your choice to do that. And so he was expounding upon that by saying, who better to say that than me? I was in a concentration camp. You know what I mean? I talked about that book uh, many, many episodes ago. And yeah, it's beautiful. The first half is kind of like a, what happened to me? And second half is like, here's the philosophy that I established based on that. Yeah. And so this movie is very much about that kind of thing. It's just about about perspective. And then he was able to, there's one of the last shots uh, with Roberto Bonini in it is Mm -hmm. he's trying to, uh, there's a, a soldier taking him off, you know, to, we assume end him or whatever. Right. And, uh, his son is watching, hiding, looking out at it. And his son still thinks all of this is a game. He's been able to successfully do this for weeks. And he starts like joke goose stepping for his kid as he, you know, he's walking to his doom, he thinks, but he's like, I can't let my son see me down. You know, I can't, it's it's giving me chills right now. I was just so destroyed. Um, this movie changed it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I did not expect that at all. Mm-hmm. I thought it was glorious, so clever, so well done. Um, yeah, anything you want to say about it, Steve? I mean, no, I think you've just you've perfectly articulated why it's such a beautiful movie. It, it, it's genuinely fun, funny. Yeah, I was very like, heartfelt. And so when things get real, real dark, it, it manages to just find the beauty and humanity even in such awful times. Yeah, and that's why it, it's such an, a meaningful film. And I really think, especially in now in these prescient times, I think it's a movie that a lot of people should seek out like go out of your way to find it it, yes. it will it, especially if you have kids like you do chris i think this movie will mean a lot to you yeah it was, it destroyed me i can't believe i hadn't seen it i wish i'd watched it 20 years ago i will be watching it many more times um and where, I, where I, did you watch it so i watched it on paramount plus i'm a 90 percent sure paramount what paramount what plus sorry thank you i, I misunderstood um, you there for a second the plus um, well, you realize now that there's about 40,000 people that don't know why we do that. We don't know why we do that. Chris. 
So that is life is beautiful. Pe- Peacock Plus is premium or PP. It's PP. And uh, it's actually, of course, it's in Italian. So it's actually called La Vita Bella. Right. I think I did that pretty well. But life is beautiful. Yeah. What was the uh, other one that you got from uh, TikTok? I'll talk about that next. Andy, what oh, else okay. have you been streaming? nothing else that's kind of why i was trying to throw it back to you i've been a busy boy i'm (laughs) sorry i got a new job and i'm busy steve what have you been streaming well as you guys know a big bit of pop culture dropped this week and that Uh is the season finale of a one will be wet and kenobi hello there hello there i i watched first two episodes i haven't caught up but i've heard middling middling finale is pretty cool yeah uh that's accurate uh, the first yeah. the first episode i think is really really good the final episode is really really good and everything else in between is just fine it, it it's fine to bad um <laughs> oh 100 some of it's actively really bad yeah and um uh which i is haven't known how to talk about it on the tiki talk i've stayed away from it a miles away from it over overall i i enjoyed my time with the show but it's one of those things where like i very much like certain things about it but there are other things about the show overall that i don't some of the finale was downright breathtaking yeah this parts of the finale were a lot of it was taken from rebels i later found out like the my favorite part of it was an actual scene that they did in rebels very similar scene yeah um yeah different fight of course but yeah Mm -hmm. um but the thing that i this, the show's biggest fault, I think, is because originally it was supposed to be a movie. It should have been a movie. It should have been a movie because the way they stretched it out into six episodes, you can feel it like trying to justify why it's that long. Um, and because if you cut out a lot of the middle and you just sandwich the two good yeah. episodes together, you've got a damn fine Star Wars. Hell yeah. It would be like, uh, what's that movie that they did for Breaking Bad? Oh, uh, El, Camino. El Camino. Yeah, it would have been like an El Camino. It would have been, it would have been great. Right. And, and, and th- you know, Ewan McGregor's great in it. I think the little girl that plays Leia is great. I love her. Yeah. I love all the stuff that I, 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 I like her arc. I like how There's they There's honestly up. no. She's precocious with the capital P. Like it's. Oh, yeah. Uh, a little much it's, at times. But she's also force But that's, prin- but that's Princess now. Leia. That's who she is. Like yeah. if super, I were to imagine. Super force strong kid. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's, they. I feel like they nailed that character with that little girl so perfectly. Do they hint at the force awareness in her at any point in this? Not explicitly, but yeah. I mean, they're never like she's force sensitive, yeah. but it's implied because <laughs> I just wondered knew. if there was like a, a Last Jedi tie-in in any way. Not in that way. It's much more this movie, similar to what Rogue One does to A New Hope. This movie adds further context to A New Hope. And nowhere near as significant as a way I think as as Rogue One does, but it does add that layer of flavor to that movie, which I think is 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 nice to have. Um, the, there's a I think it kind of overly complicates and and doesn't match up with A New Hope, whereas Rogue One doesn't have that issue. Like there's no okay, don't make me do this. Stop me. Right. <laughs> Go what, hope? hard. There, there, no, there, there's no sense watching A New Hope that uh, uh, Uncle Fuckwad and Baru Uncle Owen and Baru. Are, are anything like how they're presented in this show, right? They, it doesn't I don't almost make, agree with that. It almost doesn't make any sense. They're farmers on Tatooine. It's implied that they have to be somewhat hard people. 
And they didn't, they don't do anything. Oh, Baru comes off as a somewhat hard person to you in A New Hope. They would have to have been. Oh, and let the boy do cool stuff. I'm just saying, (laughs) Blue Milk. Remember that time I fought off a bunch of Tuscan Raiders with Migat? Like, that's. I'm just saying. (laughs) I want to watch this show now. I was trying to avoid a spoiler. They would have had to have. As someone who's been steeped in Star Wars my whole life, that's true. Yeah, Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru fucking did that with with Tuscan Raiders. That's from time to time. Old hat to me. That's not a big deal to me. Like, sure. I'm like, yeah. And to be honest, yeah, this show to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop some real heat on you guys. I'm real happy about the show that they gave Aunt Brew something to fucking do. Right. I've been begging That's for that good. for That's so good. long. Like this poor woman doesn't, <laughs> they just have her show up in episode two. She has like a line in episode two In episode three, they're like, here's this baby. And she's like, cool. And then she's a burnt skeleton. And then she's a, and then she's, <laughs> and then she's 90 and then she's a burnt skeleton. <laughs> right. So I'm glad they were finally like they made her the one that's like, Uncle Owen, you're a little bitch. Let's get our guns and let's shoot some motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like that they did that. I'm honestly happy that they did that. Uh, but overall, the the last episode is like it, there's a lot of fan service in it, but it's good fan service. Yeah, that, that, that's you the just best part. I wouldn't be uh, fan service like retcon. Oh, this service? is like fan service for like Aunt if Baru you've only seen the movies. Like we'll tell you when we're off air. Well, you yeah, probably won't I don't care. Wanna, it's like literally a wink at us. You know? Oh, okay. I yeah. Um, the the one thing my biggest criticism of the show because I, I I don't want to get too deep into you know because there's a lot of story faults. There's a lot of poor editing and i think that's evident in the first couple episodes there's a lot of poor editing choices the show my two biggest gripes with the show is it has no real sense of space like where people are at any point in time things just jump around like well how the fuck did that person teleport over there and but my other biggest concern and it's something that worries me for future star wars disney projects is this is the first time i've seen anything that they've done where i was always aware that they were filming in the volume uh, and listener, if you don't know, the volume is this new set that they shot, like all of Mandalorian, all of Book of Boba Fett in, where they don't have to green screen shit. It's just a big giant screen that the actors are surrounded around and they can get away with making it look like they're shooting at a desert, but really they're just on a soundstage. It's a super dope IMAX. Yeah, it's a really cool piece of technology. And I feel like in Mandalorian, they used it perfectly, like, because that show looks amazing. This show. I feel like of all the shows, they skipped out on this one's budget. And I don't know why, because it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. This yeah, is the one you put all, out. all the money into. There are so many scenes where it's like, okay. The money went to Ewan McGregor. That's that's the answer. But still give it more. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> this is this will make back the money. This was the the one this is the show that everyone was hyped for. Like, yeah, people are, there are fans of Mandalorian, but even if you haven't watched Mandalorian, you're like, well, I've seen Obi-Wan Kenobi. I like that guy. He's always telling me to, to hello there. I like him. <laughs> But this was the one where there were so many scenes where it was clear that it's like 10 or so people standing on a flat ground. There's nothing else around them except off in the distance. So it's clear that they're just standing in an empty room where the volume is. They don't even really put that much effort into putting rocks around them. It just feels so empty and vacant and there's no life to a lot of the the scenes they're in and that's my biggest concern and my biggest worry because there's a lot of other silly things that happens especially i think episode four is like the low point of the show for me Probably, i think it's yeah. episode four episode there's five like there's an better. egregious writing thing in three of the episodes that i can think of off the top of my head yeah it, it 
and and yeah, maybe you can speak more to some of that without getting too spoilery. I can't. Okay. Because I just, I, I literally have the screenshots of it. I was going to make a TikTok video just saying, because what I can talk about is I think it's, we're in, we're in an, an interesting impasse, an interesting impasse. Sorry. Jeez. Where. I'm the one that's drinking, bro. It's like, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, you have to defend Star Wars because there's so many uh, crazy, toxic people that are genuinely Genuinely, and I know people say, oh, you're over accusing, but there's so many genuinely racist, genuinely misogynistic people attacking these shows because they're trying to give voices to marginalized communities that don't have representation typically and shouldn't bother them at all because it's it's about space wizards. So what the fuck are you talking about? Who cares what race the character is? That makes no sense. Also, who cares if other cultures and peoples get jobs? Why why are you so worried about that? That's fine. Let's do this. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. So you want to defend it. I want to love this show because they harassed uh, Moses Ingram, right? To the ends of the earth and made her life hell just because she got hired for a Star Wars show. Yeah. But same thing they did to the woman who uh, played Rose in the sequels. Then I watch it. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. Kelly Marie Tran. And I'm like, this isn't good. Oh no. Right. And so I think that there's this overcompensation where some, and I'm not saying that people that say they like it, don't actually like it. I'm not being that big of a dick, but I'm just saying there is like an overcompensation that even I feel because I want to like it. But then I'm like, this is crazy that they've put me in a situation where I feel like I need to defend Disney. (laughs) I need to defend the biggest franchise of all time from the haters owned by notes, which is star Wars. Owned by Disney, a mega corporation mm-hmm. that by all definitions sucks the life out of all kinds of good stuff. Right. So it's right. like you put me in a real fucking like to quote George Clooney from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Damn, we're in a tight spot, you know, <laughs> and that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk bad about Star Wars because it's in such a weird spot right now. And then I'll just be lumped in with some really, really creepy, weird people. And then I'm like, that's a weird feeling to have that. I don't feel like I can uh, this thing I could never knock down ever. I have to feel weird about talking bad about it, right? I don't think anything you're saying is wrong, though. Like the show, you can criticize. It's not. That it's show. just. It's it's a tough spot. But there, you're 100. There are there are definitely people who are being incredibly insensitive to Moses Ingram, and I think she's great in the show. Like like you can argue in the beginning some of the, she's a, a little uh, melodramatic. Yes, but once the part, the parts that Andy never got to see about her motivation make uh, everything abundantly clear. And, and I think it's a great performance, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the last episode. She's like the way, like she kind of pulls that together at the end is so great. I think yes. she nails that role. And I don't think he, all like, of the central performances are great. It's the mm-hmm. writing. And like you, you pointed out the editing is a lot of my gripe, but some of the writing is atrocious. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you said, they try to stretch this movie into a show and that's probably what happened, but I just can't believe anybody greenlit some of the decisions that were made that multiple oh, people sure. put their heads together. They get paid a ton of money to, to do this shit and they know this is their tentpole star wars thing and they're like nah it's right. fine i mean as far as writing goes that's all of star wars it's never been good writing. well that's another Literally thing i can't ever. say and you said it you're a little <laughs> drunk so that's i will put that on you andy but that i don't think star wars has ever been good some of the movies are the great writing is the world building is bad. great the dialogue's almost always pretty shitty uh, and some of the plotting is almost always pretty shitty, right? And that's Steve's looking at me with daggers right now, but I just, <laughs> I don't feel like there's any one of the movies that you can point to where I wouldn't be able to say that's the dumbest line I've ever heard. And I don't know why that's in that person's mouth. Any one of the movies I could find one of those. 
Well, even when they were making A New Hope, a lot of the actors would go to George Lucas and say, people don't say this. And he he's famously not a good director of actors yeah. and famously not a great writer of dialogue, um, I think. And so yeah, that's, you're right. that's fine. But what made me really sour to Star Wars is when a director who's really good at those things tried to make Star Wars into something that had those elements. All the diehard Star Wars fans fucking hated it and yeah. literally tried to ruin his career. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was kind of like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. yeah, I'm fucking out. Well, we got knives out out of that. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of knives out sequels. And that's the thing is of all the Star Wars movies, Last Jedi is the one that has the most or I'm sorry, the best visual storytelling out of all those movies. Mm. And it's not even fucking close. And it, that's why it enrages me when people are like, that movie's trash. Like, really? Uh, do, have you seen other movies? <laughs> have you seen episodes one and two? Do those you, movies are trash. Do you even movie, bro? <laughs> Bruh. And that's the thing. When I was a kid, I loved uh, even Attack of the Clones. I was like, this is fucking awesome. There's so many lightsabers and shit. You know what I mean? And that's what people sure. always defend me. Like, dude, Star Wars does have a lot of flaws, but what you're not understanding is that those original films were intended for children. And I'm like, what you're not understanding is how many children's movies I watch on a daily basis that are fucking fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, have you seen Inside Out? People say that to me too. And it's like, I don't know what you're under- what you're not getting is that I know that. And my point still stands. Yeah, I have tons of children's <laughs> movies to put up against it that I still would like these things to be fixed. And this is as someone who I I objectively like all Star Wars. Like I I, I like Episode One, I like Episode Two, but I can objectively say those aren't good movies. I don't let my fandom blind me to the fact that they're sure. not well made. I know what you mean. But and which is which is why it blows my mind. Like there were some things that people were defending of Obi Wan Kenobi on Twitter, and like and I didn't respond to any of them. But I'm like. That's really what you took away from that? Well, that's what I mean. Okay. I have like seven or eight, uh, I would call them friends. They, they call them mutuals, but like pretty close friends on TikTok that are like other big movie creators and stuff. And they all love Kenobi. And they they make these videos like, uh, I'm so sick of, uh, of the toxic fandom and all this crazy uh, review bombing. This is such a great show and it means the world to me. I've been crying for two hours. This is everything I could have possibly wanted. And, you know, and that's what I mean about like, I partially think it's a reaction to the toxicity. So mm-hmm. they need to protect it. Over and I understand that. But then it puts me in a weird spot where it's like, I don't want to be disingenuous and just hide my opinion, but I'm like, I've built this platform. I'm trying to be as positive as possible. Do I really want to just like knock this down for no reason? Like, what am I adding by just saying, Hey, this is why it was shitty. So I've just stayed quiet because I'm like, why? And if you genuinely think like, if you're one of those people that did watch a show and you thought it was a perfect show and you were crying through all the episodes and you thought fucking good for you, that's awesome. I'm very, very happy for you. I wish I was that way because at the end of the day, again, I like this movie or I like the show overall. I do think the first episode and last episode are leagues better than everything that happened in the middle. And, and to kind of spin this back around to being more positive, because we have been negative on the show so far that last episode, there are definitely things that happen into it. that I'm like this, this right here, this is yeah, the star. This is what War. I was excited about. This yeah. is what I was wanting the show to be the whole time. I'm liking this a lot. I, I mean, I teared up in, 
in the final episode, I teared up several times because mm-hmm. a lot of these characters do mean so much to me. And so much of my childhood and life has been anchored to these characters, especially right. Obi-Wan. He was always my dude. <sighs> maybe, maybe watch the first episode, skip to the last one. You're not going to miss anything much. You might <laughs> see one less episode of Flea, but who cares? <laughs> that's true. Flea. You are going to miss a little bit of Flea. But yeah. So that's, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. I- I'm going to skip through because we're, we're a little longer on Star Wars. Uh, I'm going to, briefly mentioned one that I did watch. So the other TikTok thing uh, that I did watch, like the IMDb top 100 thing uh, was called once upon a time in America. Have you guys seen this film? Is that with Johnny Depp? It is not. That is Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, okay. That's a good movie, though. <laughs> this is a good character, for sure. Robert Remember he's all blind at the end? Yeah. Uh, no, this is Once Upon a Time in America. I think it was in 1992. Uh, it's a Sergio Leone film, uh, the legendary Sergio Leone. And it, it was uh, scored by uh, Ennio Morricone. And it's kind of his answer to The Godfather. It's funny watching this film. Uh, did I talk about this before? Or did I just call one of you about it? Uh, you and I talked about it at length because the first time I played this game, this is the movie that came up the very first yeah, time. You were it like, is motherfucker, four hours, four hours long. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. Uh, so honestly, wow. I'm not a huge fan of the Irishman anyway. I'm honestly not. I know that's Ooh. a hot take. Is uh, it? I think it is. That's the Scorsese not- movie. Yes. It's way too long. That's not a good movie. And so the, the fucking, fact yeah. that this movie already existed 30 years prior, I have no idea idea why Scorsese wanted to make that film. It is literally the same themes and the same runtime and <laughs> so much better done because Robert De Niro is only 40. So <laughs> it stars Robert De Niro uh, and uh, James Woods, which is really funny. And then also has a glimpse of Joe Pesci and a 14-year-old Jennifer Connelly. Who I didn't even wow. recognize. I just read that later. Uh, she's a is pretty it about big part the of it. Assassination of Jimmy Hoffa. It is not. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean, the themes of so the theme of the Irishman was that hey, these uh, gangsters that we look up to, that we uh, idolize, and we've made tons of movies about, like people make this. Uh, like the Godfather and Goodfellas, their whole personality, right? And I've made these movies, so maybe this is my fault. So his whole like. Uh, thing with the Irishman was these are terrible people that die miserable and alone if they even make it to old age. Right. And so that was what was neat about the Irishman. But I was like, I just don't know that I needed this journey to do that. And the same thing can be said about uh, once upon a time in America. I think what Sergio Leone was trying to say is that these are terrible fucking people that you have worshiped your entire life. And so I want to make a movie uh, showing them from age 10 all the way up into old age doing terrible shit and none of them are likable. And, uh, but I, again, I didn't need four hours to do that. Scorsese uh, just wanted to say those actors that used to play those terrible people were almost there with the science to make them look young again. Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, De Niro's De Niroing. It's a, it's a really fucking good movie at times, but he does some like really despicable things. And I, again, I think it's on purpose, but the movie doesn't, call him out on that specifically uh like he actually sexually assaults other like the women that treats the women in this movie terribly uh it's like he'll he, he sexually assaults his like love interest at the time and then the the chauffeur just takes her home and then he like looks out at the ocean for a minute and that's it. There's no consequences to it or anything. Like you're still supposed to assume that he loves her. And well, that's coming to terms. And now you forgive him, right? It's, dude, it's so, so I'm watching it with my wife and we're just both like, oh, 
what is going on here? <laughs> um, stuff like that. But the the camera works phenomenal. So there's a funny story behind this film. I knew I said I was going to gloss over it real quick. So it's four hours long and it actually goes in pieces between the different periods of their lives. It's not linear. All right. So it starts out in old age, then goes to uh, childhood and then goes to middle age, like the you know early 20s and bounces around like that. So he'll like he'll look through a crack in a wall and then it'll be him as a kid when the camera pans back around looking through the crack in the wall when he was a little kid. That's right. Cool. In and out stuff like that. I thought that was beautifully done. Right. So what the studios did is they cut two hours out of it. So we're definitely not. Well, thank God for that. Are well, you shitting me? No, it was terrible though. It couldn't, it wouldn't work without, even though it was too long, the story still didn't work without all of that breadth. So it showed it can with a three hour and 50 minute runtime. It got a standing ovation for 20 minutes and all that shit that happens at can. Then the studio, when they released it in theaters in Those America, are just stretching their legs, give they, it a break, 20 <laughs> minutes. They, they made it linear. They cut out two hours and put the childhood at the beginning, the 20 year old stuff in the middle and the old age stuff at the end. And the movie was fucking trash that way. You know what I mean? Um, so it is lauded as a masterpiece now. I gave it like three stars or something like that because it was just a lot of gross, gross stuff in there. Any hoozle. Uh, but what I really wanted to talk about, which I actually will end up glossing over <laughs> this one, it's called I Saw the Devil. Have you guys even heard of this movie? He, I absolutely know the uh, the cover art. It's like a red face with like yes. a slash through it. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, a horror film, right? I seen the devil. It is kind of a horror You've film. Seen this? I seen the devil. I haven't seen. It. <laughs> I oh. seen. It's called I seen the devil. I seen the devil. It's a, a phenomenal South Korean horror film. Uh, kind of a horror film. It's closer to like uh, a David Fincher film to me. Okay. Uh, like seven or something like that, right? It's been um, on my radar. It stars Choi Min Sik, who is the same star as uh, Old Boy. Okay. It's the Hell star yeah. of Old Boy, but he plays the villain in this movie. So it's about a serial killer. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, a South Korean revenge movie is its own thing. Uh, like Park Chan Wook did his whole revenge trilogy. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful genre of film, but this is kind of a play on that because it's like, what does revenge actually turn you into? So the whole movie, it's phenomenal the way that it starts. It opens with a kill of the wife of our protagonist, right? Uh, and that's in the first five minutes. That's the premise. And so, and he's like a, uh, not a secret agent, but he's like a, a government official, kind of like FBI, right? So it starts with the fridging? Yes. Okay. Uh, and then he tries to catch the killer. And he catches the killer within like 20 minutes. Dang. And then lets him go. And then catches him again. And he's fucking with him. He's torturing him. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, I did not expect that. At no point did I know where this movie was going. You probably won't either. It's incredibly, incredibly well shot and brutal. The practical effects in this movie are bonkers. This is one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen just in the way that they do it. I mean, everything is right in your face. They don't cut, they show it, you know how, you know, old boy is in films like that. Like they're, they're typically like that. Um, train to Busan you know, stuff like that, but like screwdriver through the cheek. We're showing every bit of it. We're going to keep it in there. We're going to linger. We're going to twist it. it. Yeah. We're going to pry before we're gonna, we, we're going to bop it, <laughs> twist it. We're going to pull, pull it. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought this movie was incredible. It was such a, a wonder of cinematography. The performances are great. At no point did I know where it was going. Um, ultimately a little too bleak for me. Um, 
but I understand what it was trying to do. Like, again, it was a, it was a play on the revenge thriller. Um, really, really, really solid film. And I recommend it very highly. I think I paid to rent it, but somebody told me it was available on Amazon prime or something like that. I don't think so though. Let me check real quick. Cause are we you, like, to, are you calling them a liar? Are you calling me a liar boy? <laughs> also, I'm really offended. You didn't like once upon a time in America. Cause I love America. <laughs> All of Obi-Wan Kenobi is good. Yeah. When I type it into just watch, it says not available on your streaming service. Oh, it's on Tubi. That's why everybody on TikTok was mad at me because I said I'm not a Tubi guy. And everybody was like, oh, why are you not a Tubi guy? I forgot to mention. That's why I saw the thing 2011 was on Tubi. Tubi has oh, a ton of really good foreign films, like a lot of South Korean cinema and stuff like that, which is great. I just can't stand having to watch ads. Yeah. And it's worth me paying three bucks to not watch commercials. And especially if it's a two hour and 20 minute movie, it's like, mm. come on, man. Nah. You're done. Uh, but anyway, that's, I only have one other thing to mention, Steve. So you go is ahead, Is it buddy. the boys? It is. Okay. You talking yeah. about the boys. I, I watched I, the boys. I'm good. Uh, so I watched, I watched all of the boys. I have not seen the hero gasm. That's what I want to talk about. No spoilers of it. I'm not up to yet. Last night I watched the hero gasm episode. And if you are a reader of the comic books, you've been looking forward to this episode. Cause you're like, how are they going to do that? They're not allowed to show that on TV. I don't even it's think like on streaming wedding for game of Thrones kind of, but like with more sex than anything. Yeah. Sweet. It is extremely brutal. Uh, but yeah, I was really intrigued. Like, how are they going to shoot this? I I know they keep pushing the envelope, but the the hero gasm episode literally has a hero that has like a 40 foot dong. You know what I mean? Like it, that's the whole basis of a bunch of that episode of the comic. Right. That issue. So they did it really, really well. Like they they made it just as bonkers and offensive uh, and everything that it needed to be, because the boys is essentially like Garth Ennis is the guy who wrote the comic books. And his whole thing is I want to push the envelope. He's the guy who created Preacher, which is just a incredibly offensive, bonkers uh, story. And then when he wrote The Boys, his publisher was like, hey, can you chill out a little bit? <laughs> and his whole thing was, OK, now you pissed me off. I'm going to out Preacher Preacher. And that's a quote from the beginning of The Boys. My whole point was to out Preacher Preacher. And so it's just balls to the wall, crazy sex and violence was his whole like purpose. Right. It's like it's a satire of superheroes, but in no way could you put it up with the Watchmen or something like that. It's ultimately just supposed to be really offensive. You know, So um, what you're describing right now is exactly why I'm disappointed so far with season three, because it feels like that, like seasons one and two were like irreverent superhero in the real world controlled by corporations, sociopaths with superpowers. What would they be like? And season three has felt like. So far, to me, at least in the first four episodes, whatever leading up to the hero gasm. How can we shock you? Yeah, exactly. No, uh, I, I would agree with that like, assessment. Without having any like plot that's worth following yet. And it's just like, hey, Jensen Ankle Ankles or whatever his name is, the dude from uh, Supernatural's in it now. That's cool. Soldier Boy? Yeah. And uh, I would say that, that there is a very well defined and really intriguing plot that really takes off in the hero gasm episode and some really interesting character work because I've always said from day one as a fan of the comics, it's interesting that they don't allow the characters to take compound V because that's what they do in the comics. And that makes them, that gives them the ability to fight the soups. Are you, do you watch the boys, Steve? I've seen the first two seasons. I haven't started the third yet. Yeah. So you already know a little bit about what I'm talking about though, is it's like, it's very interesting that they, they're not able to really fight them. Yeah. Um, and then the comics from issue one, they, 
they're hopped up on V and that's how they fight the soups. Um, so I've been really curious how they're going to do this season. Cause it's all in all the trailers and stuff that that's a big part of, of season three. Um, and what they're doing with this, unlike the comics though, is that they're acknowledging that this is hypocritical to the extreme. They're acknowledging that this is wrong and they're acknowledging that uh, something's wrong. It's a flaw in their character that they would allow themselves to do this. And they're really playing up on that a lot with Huey and his relationship with starlight. Uh, and they're, I love, love, love all of the uh, satire and comparisons they're making to our current society. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> that's one of the things I've enjoyed uh, with the discourse of the show is there's a bunch of crazy right wing guys who are like, what Homelander's the villain. Yeah. It's like, what have you been watching my guy? Yeah. And they really <laughs> hammer that home in season three. I mean, it is blatant. Like there's a superhero that uh, is going through marginalized communities and beating up people who aren't even committing crimes. And he goes to, quote unquote, apologize in their community. And he's really half hearted about it. And then at some point he's even like uh, soup lives matter, soup lives matter, too. And like, that's his thing, right? <laughs> like they're not hiding it at all. And I'm so curious how certain people in this country are taking this because they're probably real confused. I thought I liked this show. Can I, is I what I imagine their feelings are. But even still, it's so funny that you have to walk up to that point for those people to realize, huh? They've been making fun of me the whole time. Yeah, it's like no shit. But they're <laughs> they're taking all kinds of shots. There's a there's a scene. I don't want to say too much, but I have to kind of mention it because it's really really funny. Maybe it'll push you to watch it super fast. But there's this little joke where uh, there's a, a national tragedy, and it creeped up on me. My wife actually got it first, and she was dying laughing. And I was like, I don't get oh, because there's a uh, one of the superheroes is on the the screen in like a YouTube video. And then he's like, we just all got to band together. So I know it's a really terrible time in our country, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to stick together. We're going to get through it. And I'm kind of lost. And, and Carissa's already dying laughing. And then he goes, imagine there's no country. <laughs> and then it cuts to all these real world celebrities that they hired, like uh, Camille Nanjiani's in there. And, and uh, dude, it's hilarious. And they all do the thing that we experienced during the pandemic and it's stuff like that. That's in season three that I'm like, okay, this is fucking awesome. Like, I see what you're saying, Andy. And I agree. Like it's a lot of it's just trumped up for part. shock that's value. Hysterical. Um, and I, but it's like, it's at the same time it's working on me. I'm like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. They did that. But so that's the boys season three. If you haven't watched the hero gasm episode yet, definitely check it out. I think it's by far the best episode of season three. They did really, really well. And that's the last thing that I've been streaming. We have nothing else to talk about. No, that's it. That's it. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, delving into some other properties with us. That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy and I'm Steve. And this was streaming things. Happy streaming. All right, real quick, we're going to do this quick and dirty. It's time to thank the patrons. Does somebody else want to do this? I'll do it for you, buddy. All right, here, let me give you the list. Here he is. Chris Chris is is doing it. I'm reading the list. I'm also thankful it's not just Steve. The list, the list, the list. Thank you, Phil, Carmelita, Carrie, Inza, Cake, Katie, Jimmy, Sarah, E. Lopez, Kyle, Thomas, Shay, Stephen, A. Wells, Danielle, Kimberly, Andrew, Robin, Michelle, Ashley, 
Jade, Mindy, David. Is this one you've been saying, Jocelyn? Yeah. I'm almost positive that's Jacqueline. Well, she needs to let us know. I think that's Jacqueline. I never saw it written before. That's Jacqueline. <laughs> Amelia, Katharina, John, Jared, Orion, Jacob, Reese, Marcus1850. <laughs> that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Mike, Lady Press, Cody, Gavin, Casey, Cryptoholic, AJ, Hannah, Joel, Tyler, Jessica, the Reed family, Katarina, Carlo, Adam, Jeanette, Andy, Sandra, Emily, Aaron B, Amanda, Aaron A, and Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Cake. <laughs> Thank you, Cake. <laughs>